Welcome to Passion Play Profit. I'm your host, Peter Liu, and I'll be interviewing both young and grizzled entrepreneurs to teach you how to find your passion, play, enjoy, persevere in the game of business, and get rewarded for it. I'm privileged and honored today to be joined by the Executive Director of the Lenny Zakim Fund, which seeks to help build deep relationships to advance social economics and racial justice, as well as to fund and provide resources to those who are impacted by inequality. He is also the founder of Hello Black Trivia, which is an entertainment experience for Boston professionals of color who enjoy playing trivia and meeting new people. As well, he's been a leadership coach at numerous institutions and have founded his own IT consultancy group. Eric Esteves, welcome to the show. And let's talk about how you've turned your passion to play to profit. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Let's jump into the questions. So, you know, I always like to start off by going into um, how you left college, right? And how you have found your initial passion out of college. Um, and I see that you have, you know, exited college with a, you know, background and interest in engineering, right? So talk to me about, you know, what led you to, you know, have this passion of engineering and, you know, stick with it. Yeah, for me, um, my interest in engineering was from a long time, my childhood and being kind of um, tactile and having an interest in how things worked and the design of things. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, you know, middle school was the more concrete interest uh, where it really started to grow and did some shadowing and really learning about it. And, and then in high school, just really continued on that path. So started out as general engineering and really, you know, tried to concentrate on chemical engineering. Mm -hmm. uh, but then that shifted um, and essentially ended up in more IT. Yeah. Um, so less engineering and then more of an IT focus. So that's kind of how I see how it shifted for me. Got it. Interesting. And at the same time, you even started um, your own IT advisory group, right? Yeah. Um, yes. so, so how did that go? And, you know, what made you want to start it? And how was that whole experience like? Yeah, I started that while I was still a student in, in, in college. And mm -hmm. for me, it was a way to supplement um, all of the small jobs that I was nice. doing to, to help support myself. Um, um, fortunately, I started off college with a full scholarship, but <laughs> lost nice. that scholarship. So I had to um, cobble together a bunch of different jobs, including working at a hotel and in retail. So I also did that kind of IT consulting to, to help not right. necessarily put myself through school, but to yeah. at least supplement some of it. Right. 100%. And honestly, I believe it's the moments where your back is against the wall um, and you have to make sure, you know, you pretty much like can get the education you need to uh, succeed in this industry, in this world. Um, and, you know, when the ads are, odds are stocked, you know, stacked against you, um, it's ever so more hard. Right. So, you know, I guess in those, in those moments, right, working multiple jobs, um, as well as, you know, pursuing your own entrepreneurship uh, venture. Right. Um, what got you through uh, that those times and that pursuit? Right. Like what was in your mind? Um, how did you persevere during those times? For me, it was both feel, fear of failure mm -hmm. and not wanting to be stuck and having to work at the types of places I already was working in high school. So I'm a big fan still of Dollar Tree, but I, I didn't yeah. want to work at Dollar Tree anymore. <laughs> yeah. 
or end up, you know, being 30 and 40 years old working at Food Line. No, not to those who do, but, you know, that wasn't necessarily something that I wanted to see myself absolutely. doing. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, so on top of that, and just to move on, um, you know, you've, you've, it's been evident you've been a leader, right, in a lot of different ventures that you've worked at. Um, and you've even taught leadership at uh, places like Lead Boston and Harvard Business School. So, you know, what are, I, this is a two-part question that we can, you know, tackle, but, you know, what were some of the, what do you think are some of the key traits of leadership that um, people should be doing or should be having? And what is a downfall uh, that leaders are facing that, you know, should be solved? Yeah, I think key traits include the ability to listen and be empathetic. Mm -hmm. I think it's about sometimes being able to be visionary, but also mm -hmm. sometimes being able to be someone who, who can implement and get things done. Some leaders probably skew more towards one or the other, more yep. visionary or more of a doer. Um, I try to be a little bit of a both. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there's merits to being one or the other and kind of being more of a specialist, but I consider myself right. more of a generalist slash specialist. Mm -hmm. I see. And what do you think is uh, something that leaders are doing wrong potentially um, right now? I think sometimes people follow crowds and follow trends and while I think it's important to stay abreast of trends, not necessarily following them if you don't necessarily believe in them. Right. So I think being authentic is informed by who you are and not necessarily your adaptability. Right. 100%. Yeah. And, you know, talking about your leadership teaching experience, um, what is it like, you know, teaching leadership, right? Uh, what do you find to be hard concepts that people don't understand? Um, and perhaps like, you know, what is the key of potentially inspiring people to take that, take those steps to become a leader? I think it's twofold. One is there's plenty of people who don't believe in themselves, even if mm -hmm. they may project an air of confidence. Right. They, there's a lot of second guessing of their abilities and capabilities and decision making skills. Um, and then also, you know, people believing that they're not necessarily equipped to yeah. make the decisions or be in the roles that they may be tapped for. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, I think there are some folks who feel like they have to have either clear, distinct, black and white information and data gathered gathered mm -hmm. in order to make a decision. Um, whereas I think decisions are more are often more based on incomplete data. Mm -hmm. So you have to infer based on what you have, but you you'll never really or or not often will have kind of a full set of data to make decisions. So it's right. gonna base it's gonna be based off of both what you have, what you've gathered, and yeah. some intuition and some guesswork and some luck. Yeah, absolutely. These are all parts of the equation and very analogous to uh, poker, where you can only yeah. assume, you know, what the person across the table has in their hands. Uh, and it's sometimes a hit or miss, but sometimes you just know dead on 
um, what it is. And sometimes you have just no idea, right? Yeah. So there's definitely there's definitely an element of um, excitement to that as well. Yeah. So um, moving on, right? Uh, you know, you've you've had um, you know continuing your streak of entrepreneurship, right? You've started a company called Hella Black Trivia, and I love that name. Um, so what kind of got you into that? Like, what made you, well, like, why are you interested in trivia? And, um, you know, how do you find this niche to kind of go into and create something in? Well, for me, it's really about my passion. I really enjoy trivia and, uh-huh. you know, living in Boston, I, uh, I reached a point where I knew where all of the different trivia nights were yeah. uh, around the region. Um, but also, came to the realization early on, but to mm-hmm. continue playing that they weren't necessarily geared to be as accessible and inclusive for a variety of folks. So right. I started a trivia basically so that it would be <laughs> unnecessarily easier, but more yeah. enjoyable for folks like me to play. Um, I folks see. who, you know, um, the pop, I think pop, pop culture has silos in some ways and mm-hmm. some of the questions that were asked in many of the other trivia nights were things that right I didn't pay attention to or didn't watch or didn't listen to got it got it and what did you find as one of the top challenges of um you know getting people to join getting people to you know use your platform experience and things like that um so that we can learn from them i think the challenge is similar to the leadership challenge so people yeah. often say and the first thing out of many people's mouths is that I'm not good at trivia. Right. <laughs> and really, it was yeah. a, for me, it was about, no, you really are good at trivia. It's just the things that are asked about aren't necessarily relevant. So just like, mm-hmm. you know, you know, the concept of diversity and inclusion yeah. is making people feel like they belong. So mm-hmm. the range of questions, it, you know, everyone will be able to answer at least a few of the questions. Absolutely. Night that I host, regardless of their age or demographics or racial right. identity or gender. Exactly, one hundred percent agree. Um, and that's a good note to segment into our next topic, uh, which you know a lot of your career is based around off of, and you know something you know incredibly exciting to me and what I want to do uh, in the future potentially as well, and that's uh, impact investing, right? Um, and you've had a lot of experience, right? You've been an impact investing consultant at the uh, Boston Impact Initiative. Um, you've also helped a lot of, uh, you know, fellows um, who are Black uh, build, you know, startups, uh, ventures. Um, and right now, even you are the executive director of the uh, Lenny Zakim Fund. Mm-hmm. So uh, I kind of want to break this down again, right? Like, you know, obviously it's a very big issue in this world, right? So you know, what, what, what is your thesis um, upon impact investing? Well, for me, it's, it's about investing in entities, whether they're mm-hmm. nonprofit or for-profit organizations or businesses that I think it's, it's about both the, uh, I try to pay attention to the social impact. Yeah. Um, if the goal of the investment is to have a return, so then it has to have some financial merit to its financial business model. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think it's it's often about who the founders or leaders are, and you know, yeah, their kind of not necessarily their moral standing, but kind of what guides them, what they, what their yeah um, 
kind of leadership profile looks like because I think often successful businesses is based on who is running it. So mm -hmm. the initial business, the first three businesses may not be successful, but you know, I think it's also about the makeup of that individual of, the, of those two individuals that then determines their um, penchant for success later on. Right. 100%. And it's the, sometimes it's the people that don't give up on their uh, entrepreneurship pursuits that are sometimes the most successful because they're the most persistent. Um, but yeah. there's also that balance where um, if you've started too many and, you know, ended too many, it seems like, you know, you, you don't have the commitment for one. Right. Um, and that, there's another element to that as well. Yeah. Um, so perhaps, you know, in, in, in today's society, what are some uh, issues that you see as striking as like some of the most important issues that, you know, need to be tackled? Um, it could be broad or it could be specific. Like, what do you think is, should be, should be top of mind uh, for, for students? I mean, I think these days, you know, they're, everyone's in crypto and, um, and so forth and artificial intelligence, but I think things like climate change or mm -hmm. kind of infrastructure, uh, right. energy are big issues that both have a societal social impact yeah and there's potential for you know strong profit returns as well um, especially when it comes to climate change you know there's the resiliency of our cities there's, mm -hmm. there, there's the resiliency of neighborhoods and what's being done to combat kind of disinvestment in mm -hmm. different communities and, and and neighborhoods that have disparately been impacted by climate change or by yeah. um the the siting of <laughs> businesses and factories that have um hurt the environmental uh, right makeup of that community yeah yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. and climate change is uh is truly a big issue um and you know it's one of those issues where you know, for the naked eye, you cannot really see how it yeah. is an issue, right? It, it, but it's invisible and it's just ticking. It's a ticking time bomb where the more you don't do anything about it, uh, the more you will suffer down the road. And it yeah, may not even be you sometimes. It will be your kids. It will be the next generation. And we don't really think about that, especially uh, students. But, um, you know, some students are definitely pursuing this path and making a lot of progress. Um, and, and definitely those should be, um, you know, encouraged with, uh, you know, as much help and support, uh, as possible. So, uh, I guess on that note, um, what are some, what is a project that maybe, you know, that you found in your pipeline that you think is quite interesting or is doing something, you know, right. Um, that, you know, got funding and is like just taking off and doing great stuff right now. Well, so for the sake of fund, we fund um, nonprofit organizations. So I see. there are many kind of nonprofits that have a strong impact. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, they, they stand different geographic um, regions. So for us, we have a very kind of narrow focus and scope. Right. Uh, but some of the things, for instance, there's an organization based in New Bedford, Mass., which is in the South Coast yeah. region that has a environmental focus and kind of like a grassroots focus as well yeah. so they they help and train young people to take a leadership role in addressing environmental justice issues yeah um, so basically being informed about policy and advocacy at the city right level. 
but also are doing community outreach so that more of the community understands the impacts of urban farming yeah. and recycling and um, you know climate change and, right. and and also kind of pollution mitigation all at the same time. So it's kind of a, a multi-layered approach and yeah. an intergenerational approach to, to understanding environmental justice mm -hmm. in a community that's pretty diverse that has right. you know large populations of African American, Cape Verdean, and yeah. Guatemalan residents. Exactly. Um, that that don't all necessarily speak the same first language, mm -hmm. but um, all will be impacted by right. rising sea levels and absolutely and, and climate change. Right, and I think that's a good point. Um, you know, to 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 have like a almost a universal like system, right, across different cultures, mm -hmm. right, and and since you. Um, work with a lot of different types of people, right, from different backgrounds uh, and trying to create this grassroots change, um, what do you think is a positive way to bridge cultures, right? People who are different, separate from each other, what's a way to connect with them on a deeper level so that, um, you know, they understand that, you know, we're, we're not so different after all, we're all human. Um, we are who we are and, and that's, that's, you know, we have to be unequivocally ourselves. So I guess what's the way a good way to bridge the different cultures across the world? Well, for me, I think it's about authenticity and, and being present. So, you mm -hmm. know, my approach to building relationships is I, I've shown up right in different communities. So I've, over the years, uh, you know, I'm based in Boston's black community, but I'm also, I'm in Boston's Latino community. Yeah. yeah. I'm in Chinatown and I have friends in Chinatown or, you know, who, work in Chinatown who may not live there um, yeah. or in, in the Fields Corner neighborhood. There's a mm -hmm. lot of Vietnamese population. So I, you know, I, I have connections and relationships that I've built over time, you know, standing in solidarity with different issues right. or just working together with people on other issues, whether, mm -hmm. whether it's political organizing or voter engagement or just kind of neighborhood-based concerns. So yeah. that over time, we, you know, we, we we've established those relationships and bonds so that, yes. you know, culturally, I, I feel like I have a, um, a broader awareness um, of kind of what's going on, even though I'm not right. an expert, but I'm also not a lawyer. Either. Right. 100%. And uh, it's, it's always, um, you know, trust is sometimes the most important commodity. Right. And as long as you keep on being present, showing up, um, trust automatically builds, right? Um, because you're making a positive impact in those communities, uh, and isn't, and that 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 is something that transcends culture. Um, so yeah, that that totally makes sense. Um, and you know, uh, just to wrap up, um, my final question is more so for uh, you know the students at our age, right, college students, um, who are you know wanting to create an impact, right? Wanting to create a social impact, help solve this inequality issue, climate change issue, um, bridge cultures, do a lot of things that um, will be beneficial to society um, and doing it well. So what advice would you give to us students uh, who want to do that? And, um, you know, what are some, I guess, directions that we should go into? What are some, uh, I guess, maybe even pitfalls to avoid? Um, so I want to hear your thoughts there. I think, yeah, a couple of things come to mind. One, the, the first thing that comes to mind is not buying into the belief that you need to tackle everything big. Yeah. 
I think some people tend to try to change the world by taking on things that while they make sense, they may not be feasible right. in, in incremental doses. And while some people really don't believe in incremental change, I think yeah. that is kind of the route, you know, in my, in my opinion of how things get changed. There is some tr potential for transformation, but, you know, transformation still takes the incremental work towards yeah. something that becomes transformational. Mm -hmm. um, I think also, you, you know, the phrase or the cliche, you can't be all things to all people. So yeah. um, I think, you know, just recognizing that as a pitfall in really being true to yourselves and your individual passion. Mm -hmm. um, I often made and said that I've made my vocation my vacation. So I, yeah. I work at places or do things that align with my personal beliefs. So as yeah. an example, you know, you know, formerly an engineer and IT guy, I've had a lot of friends who, as an example, work at Raytheon, mm -hmm. um, but that's never something that I ever seriously considered given their, you know, Raytheon has made a lot of things like the microwave, but also missiles, which is mm -hmm. the, the more popular thing they're known right, for. Right. You know, making missiles and, and weapons of mass destruction didn't align with my kind of personal beliefs. That's yep. just kind of one minor example, but you know, I think really um, taking the long range view of aligning what you want to do at, mm -hmm. um, and also matching that to the environment you want to be at and the, the right. type of work you want to be doing, whether it's for yourself or you know working in the corporate sector, um, what type of corporate environment makes the most sense to mm -hmm. help you thrive and also help you build the foundation to then right. do something entrepreneurial later. 100%. Yeah. And with that, uh, thank you so much, Eric, uh, for your time and your tremendous advice. You really imparted upon us um, a great amount of wisdom uh, through your experience. And uh, I can say your story will definitely you know, inspire others to come, especially um, your message of believing in what you're doing to a very deep level um, so that you can really stay true to yourself. Uh, and, and that'll bring you a lot more passion in doing something that'll so uh, superficial. So thank you. No problem. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah.